When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, Reed Wilkins, Reed Wilkins on Oilers on Radio. Oilers. 6.30, Chad. Let's go back to Anaheim. Here's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Uh, Todd, did you have a chance to read the league's explanation on it? And No, I, I didn't. Um, I don't know what they said. I don't even know if they put anything out. So. Todd, you were down to five defensemen early in that game, and you had a couple more that obviously were coming back from, from getting dinged up a little bit. Just a comment on what you got from your decor tonight, despite what well, happened. I, I think Lars played like 50 minutes. Um, we had Benoit Pouliot playing D. Uh, for a few shifts, and, and if you did notice that he played that well on it, um, which is a good thing. Um, you know, there's a number of things that that happened. Losing Sakara basically on his first shift didn't help. Uh, Banning got banged up and had to to leave and then come back. Um, you know, and then the Russell situation or scenario. Um, you know, getting uh, getting hit and then getting called off to the the, the concussion room. So. They get two minutes, we get ten. Yeah, Todd, can I just ask you, obviously your team is made up of great athletes. It's not supposed to happen this way, although sometimes it does a three-goal lead. What do you tell your team how devastating this is emotionally? Because they do have emotions. Oh, yeah, like we're all pissed off and and we're down and we're allowed to feel um, those emotions right now. We're allowed to vent and feel that way. but we've got to come back with with a game that's that much better um, at home, and we can do that. Um, we believe that we can play with this team from day one. So we'll go home and we'll regroup. Um, our guys have done a, a tremendous job all season. We showed it again tonight. We weren't very uh, weren't very happy with what happened in uh, in Edmonton, and um, you know the, we responded with a hell of a game. We've got to do the same thing. We we have the ability to do that, and we will. Uh, Todd, first, if you're down D, do you think Greibel drawn for the next game? And the I other... don't know yet. We'll we'll make those decisions. I don't know if we're down D. We'll. I can't answer that yet. Okay, and then um, Getzlaff you know, almost kept him off the board tonight. I mean, what has made him such a, a load to handle in the series? Uh, I'm sorry, Getzlaff. We. You almost kept him off the board tonight, but. Well, size, skill, experience, um, you know, I can go, go down the list. He's, he's one of the top five, top ten players in the league. Um, we expect him to play that way. I know their team expects him to, so um, that's what happens when you've got a big load and you've got to handle them. But uh, we have our own big loads. I thought Leon did a tremendous job tonight against, uh, uh, up against them. Okay, that's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan live from Anaheim. An absolute gut punch of a loss for the Edmonton Oilers. They're up 3-0 late in the third period. The Ducks get a goal with 3.16 to go. They get a goal with 2.41 to go. They get a tying goal with 15 seconds to go. Three goals in 3.01. Anaheim becomes the first team in the history of the NHL to force overtime by trailing by three goals with less than four minutes left in regulation time. No scoring in the first overtime. Corey Perry wins it at 6.57 of the second overtime. The Ducks have won three straight. They lead the series 3-2. Good morning. Thanks for staying up. 
It's 103 in the morning. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's overtime open line on Oilers Radio 630. Chad, we're going to bring in Drew Remenda for some of his thoughts as well in a few minutes. I'm just going to say this, and if you ever listen to me at all, I try to be level-headed about the officiating. Uh, I try not to get too upset. I, I try to maybe see it from the ref's point of view and try to figure out why they make a certain call. Uh, because I think it's it's easy just to get mad and, and, and say that, you know, the team you're covering got jobbed or whatever. But on the on the tying goal, there's absolutely no justification for that not being goaltender interference. And I wonder why the NHL bothers having video review if it's not going to be applied in a way that the call can be made properly. I know the justification they gave was that Darnell Nurse pushed Ryan Kessler, uh, Ryan Kessler into the crease, which is accurate, but then that player has to at least make some kind of effort to leave the crease. Not only did Kessler not do that, he had his left arm lodged in behind Cam Talbot's pad on his right leg to the extent that the pad was actually being separated from the leg. Like, you can see that overhead shot, and you can see the pad being pried away from Talbot's Lake. Now look, the Oilers were up 3-0 late. You should close that game out. Absolutely. But from someone who just watches hockey and cares about the NHL, I don't understand how that's not goaltender interference. I guess the only thing I can say is I've never seen a player do that before. So maybe they were so stunned that they saw a player doing that, they didn't know how to call it. But if that's the case, that's that's shameful. I mean, I don't know why we have goaltender interference. I mean, look, it's at the point where if I'm coaching an NHL team and I see that happen, I say, you know what? Uh, on a two-on-one, one guy skate into the crease and just tackle the goalie and the other guy shoot it in because I don't know if they're going to call or not. Let's try it. Let's have it go to review because I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it, it was a horrible call. Um, and usually I wouldn't dwell on it this much or, or be this vocal about it. But when I see something that, that is just so incredible, and, and you know what, I'll say this, guys. The Corey Perry goal the other game, I thought was goalie interference, but at least maybe to an Oilers fan I could say, well, you know what, you want Milan Lucic to go, the, go to the net. You want Patrick Maroon to go to the net. You want Zach Cassie to go to the net. You know, isn't there going to be contact sometimes? Maybe you could at least make that argument. I don't think I could go to an Oilers fan and say, are you, you know, would you be, are you fine with Milan Lucic falling in the crease and wrenching his arm in the goaltender's pad and, and, and prying it away and then the puck goes in five hole? I think even an Oilers fan would think, well, no, my, my team shouldn't score goals that way. So it's horrible. Video review, quite frankly, has um, been botched by the National Hockey League. I doubt the brain trust at the higher offices of the league level have enough of a brain between however many of them are to actually fix it, but that's what we're stuck with tonight. Having said that, the Oilers should have won the game in regulation time. The Ducks take it 4-3. Before we go to the phone calls, we'll bring in Drew Remenda, Oilers analyst for the NHL on Sportsnet. Drew, thanks for uh, listening. It was important to me for me to say that tonight. Uh, how are you doing, buddy? Um... I, I'm still, I'm, I'm like you, Reed. I'm baffled. I'm, I'm baffled because, eloquently done, by the way, when you look at that play, 
it is. I'm sitting with my boys, Davis and Donovan. They're 20 years old. We're watching it. We see Kessler do it right away. We see him grab the pad, and you mentioned it perfectly. The pad separates from Cam Talbot's leg. The top part of it does. The buckle almost comes undone. And he is clearly impeding Cam Talbot from doing his job. The fact that the NHL general managers came up with goalie interference challenge and offside challenge was to what? Let's get the call right. So what they did was not only botch the call, fail miserably at this one, at getting the call right. They failed miserably at it. They took the coward's way out. And see, there's not a ref on the planet. You, you name me one ref on the planet who with 15 seconds left to go in the hometown building when the hometown team scores a goal to tie the game up in the playoffs. Name me one referee who's going to have the testicles to make the right call and look at it and go, no goal. Got to call it off. There's not one friggin' ref in the National Hockey League that's got the courage to do it. So that's why it needs to be taken out of the guy who makes the call on the ice. It's got to be taken out of his hands and have one guy, one guy only, make the call from the situation room. Reed, you know how many referees, ex-referees or current referees, are in the situation room every night? I'm not sure, actually. How many? Zero. Not one. That's great. Yeah. Because And the referees have, have wanted to be in there and have tried and tried and tried, but no. You've got Chris King, Stefan Cantel, Mike Murphy, and I don't remember who else, but it, I think Patrick Burke might be in there as well. Um, it's embarrassing tonight that they got it wrong. And yes, you know what? Uh, we talked last game that the losing teams blame referees, uh, but there was two, I think, egregious, ridiculous calls. One, the penalty, the, the penalty shot on Ryan Kessler, on, for Ryan Getzlaff. Are you kidding me? In the first period? Oh, that was a good play by Lucic. And then this one. So... You can, you can, um, you're absolutely right. You, you've got a three goal lead with three minutes, three plus minutes left to go. You've got to make sure you're able to close it out. There's a few mistakes that I didn't like from an individual point of view, but on that goal, the Oilers should be coming home. The goal that was allowed on Kessler's goalie interference, the Oilers should be coming home with a 3 2 lead instead of coming home with a 3 2 deficit. All right. It's embarrassing. Yeah, well, you're right. Okay, so we've dealt with that. Yep. That, is, that is a big story. It was 3 nothing with uh, 3.17 to go because then they scored with 3.16 to go. So having said that, they did score twice before that happened. Did the Oilers, you know, make any errors? It looked like they were kind of checking pretty hard and were going to close it out. I, I know Anaheim was getting shots. I didn't think they were getting a lot of grade no, A shots. What, what yep. happened otherwise in the last four minutes? I thought they, they you, you said it, they went to a point where they were checking very hard. And, and I, it goes back to what Todd McClellan said earlier about putting value in checking to the point of getting, you're standing around. And I've been on the bench in this situation. I've been on the bench in, in amateur hockey. I was, I was with the University of Calgary. We're at the uh, national championships. We're up uh, 5 3 with a minute 23 left to go. And your guys start standing around and just chipping the puck away and not wanting it on their stick. And you want to start talking to them about making plays. And you start mentioning, okay, guys, make plays. Come on, calm down, make plays. But the more you talk, the more nervous they get. So you want them to handle it. You want them to get it back, get your game back here. But it's up to them. You have to – the player has to do it. The more you talk in the, as a coach, the more nervous you get. And I thought the Oilers got, got nervous. And you could see them – they went from being um, – 
on their toes defensively and getting after people and, and checking them and, and getting first off the boards and making sure their coverage is right, just standing around and trying to keep everything on the outside and hope to hell that the puck doesn't get to the net. Um, I think that was one of the things that happened. When you look at the, the goals, you can look at individual problems. Um, the last goal, you saw puck jump over Darnell stick, and you saw the problem with with uh, Matt Benning. Um, Leon Dreisaitl, he comes in, he gets puck focused, he's, he's in no man's land, and Corey Perry walks by him. No, no situational awareness. Uh, there's, there's individual mistakes that lead to goals. That always happens. Um, but I thought the overall, the Oilers just got, they got nervous and they tried to protect instead of instead of check. Drew, uh, a couple of people are asking, should a Todd call the timeout after the first or yeah, second goal? Yeah, actually, Davis, my son asked me. I said, you would you call a timeout here? And I said, yeah, I would. But. But here's what happens sometimes. If you call that timeout, you actually even make your own guys nervous. You know, they get a little bit more nervous. I, I probably would have done it. And I'm sure if you look, yeah, Todd, he'll probably look back at it and go, yeah, maybe I could have. Um, so, yes, I would have done it. But, um, boy, for me to question Todd McClellan's uh, kind of the height of arrogance, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Drew, thanks for staying up. I got a full board of calls, so I want to yeah, get all the people you, who have stayed you, up buddy. as well. Thanks, man. Bye. That's Drew Romanda, Oilers analyst for their broadcast on Sportsnet. Checking in tonight, the Oilers, uh, I mean, quite frankly, it's its one of the most devastating losses in the history of the franchise. Uh, such a comeback has never happened before in the entire history of the NHL. A team forcing overtime after being down three goals in the last four minutes of regulation time and then that team Anaheim also wins at 4-3 in double OT they lead the series 3-2 my name is Reed Wilkins 780-496-0063 we'll go to Cam on the line to start it off tonight hey Cam hey Reed how are you doing well I mean usually I just say I'm good but uh, I'm not I mean that was that was a, a gut punch and it was uh, a, it was a bad call tough one yeah I guess the way I'll look at it is uh, obviously that that stuff is very valid and and uh, of great concern. But um, just in terms of the practical kind of looking or analysis of the game from a fan's perspective, I mean, we look at it. We've got a, a kid like Kajula who's you know just came out of college. Um, you know, you have a, a guy like uh, McDavid who's you know eight or nineteen. You have Dreisaitl who's twenty. You know these guys, even Talbot. You know he's a guy that that is uh, has never really had. Like he played at University of Alabama Huntsville, and you know he's he's kind of just kind of got his his feet wet this year for the first time with with you know kind of getting into a leadership role. And some of these guys are are inexperienced, and we're down um, you know down to a group that's banged up. I mean Russell got banged up. I, I'm I'm surprised he came out of protocol. I'm glad he did, obviously, but. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have guys like uh, you know Sekera's out, and just it was just it was the deck was stacked, and I just think with this Anaheim team, you know they came back and they did something very, very special tonight, and and you look at it now and say, okay, like we're heading into Game Six at home, and the good news is this is a team that for some reason and it's just incredible, they never reach a saturation level in terms of how they develop, like they. They just seem to have things happen, and then they move on almost immediately and do it better the next day or the game, you know, the game after, three or four games later. So, I, I just think, you know, we're still in really good shape. I know, and I'm not saying anyone's saying we're not, 
but I think if we shake this one off here and and are positive about it, and, and the team I think is going to you know bring a bit of fire in their belly in the next game, and to me that's the most encouraging thing though is this group has been so pliable and so flexible and so able to pivot over the years. Just nothing seems to get them down. I just think we take them in game six and establish you know dominance over them again, which we did for 53 or 54 minutes. Pardon me, for about 45 minutes tonight. And uh, and I think just, just go back into Anaheim in Game 7 and give them everything we got. And remember that this is all part of a growth process. We're, we're looking to win a Stanley Cup this year, of course. But, I mean, these, these lessons are so invaluable and so important that I just think as a fan, you know, we should be very encouraged with what the guys did tonight. Um, they battled super hard, and they were really, really up against it. So, all right, Camp. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate your thoughts. Well, I mean, the Oilers did do a lot of good things tonight, and I mean, they didn't they didn't crumble in the overtime after allowing the three goals late in the third. I mean, they they probably had better quality scoring chances. Yeah, uh, in in the third, I mean, uh, Nugent Hopkins and Pouliot Neverly were around the net on one shift. Kajula had had a couple chances. That one he broke in on DeHarnay. They killed off a penalty. So, I mean, the, the Oilers, despite the, what happened at the end, they, they didn't come out and allow a goal 20 seconds in, into overtime. The experience is valuable. I, I don't know if the uh, – Cam, I appreciate you're trying to be big picture. I don't know if people are going to uh, have that thinking tonight, but uh, but we'll see. Ethan at 780-496-0063. Ethan, thank you for calling. Uh, doing good. How are you? Good. Thanks for calling. Uh, you know, tonight was one of those games where if you look at the officiating these last two games, we probably should be celebrating a 4-1 series win right now, the way things have been going. I mean, pretty obvious that goaltender interference was a penalty, but I think the last caller even said it pretty well. This is part of the development of a young team, and when you're playing a team like Anaheim who's been there before and they've been in these situations, they're going to be the type of team that's going to come back from a 3 nothing lead late in games, and we just got to hold our guard better next time if we're in a situation like that. Well, and this is now Anaheim's done this twice, right? They were down four-one to Calgary, not as late in the game. So, yeah, I mean, they they stuck with it. You get three goals with the goalie out. I mean, I mean, if we're if we're neutral observers watching this, we're thinking that's the most amazing comeback you've ever seen in in the history of watching hockey. Uh, the Oilers are going to have to learn from it, and, and every team has something devastating happened to them. I mean, the Oilers of the 80s lost a game by accidentally scoring on their own net, and that was after they'd already won two Stanley Cups, right? And, mm-hmm. then, and then they were able to win a couple more. Th- this, was a, this was a stunner. I, I mean, they, like, um, like Drew said, they, they were handling the lead pretty well, and then they got a little too tentative, and as opposed to checking, they're sagging back and and not, you know, they're all of a sudden they're playing not to lose as opposed to win the game and not finish it happen. So, yeah, it was it's a tough one tonight. Thanks for calling, Ethan. Yeah. Seven eight seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. No Japanese Village goal light this morning. The Oilers have to score five or more in a game for us to turn that on on the Oilers page on six thirty ched dot com. Then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer. Japanese Village, three locations in Edmonton, downtown, South Side, and. North side, the Oilers fall 4-3 in double overtime. Corey Perry, who was a very uh, antagonistic player in this game, gets the game winner. We have Connor on the line as well. Connor, thanks for staying up and calling. Hey, how are you guys doing? I'm doing well. Uh, That's good. I just wanted to bring up uh, three points. And actually, before I say that, I want to say I'm a big fan of the show. Love you guys. 
Thank you. And uh, so, first of all, uh, I want to bring up the fact that the refing in this league is very biased towards the the veteran players. Uh, second of all, I would like to bring up the fact that uh, what exactly is goaltender interference? No idea. I, I cannot tell you anymore after tonight. <laughs> You're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> Boys, uh, seriously, right. what do you want? What, what, what do you want me to say, Connor? Like that's like, like I said off the top of the show. I, I would think, as mad as Oilers fans are and as perplexed I, I, as I am, I would think most Oilers fans would be rational enough to say that if I was going to tell you an Oilers player was going to do that to a goalie, you would say, "Well, they couldn't count the goal then." Like grabbing a goalie's pad. You know what I mean? Anyway, I'll let you right. finish. And my last point that I wanted to bring up was. Uh the the coach's challenge. Should we even have that anymore? Well, I mean, we've, I'm, like, we've tried it, we've tested it, and, and and I would prefer that we every single goal should be examined the same same way they do in other sports leagues. The NFL, for example, they look at every single goal that happens or every single touchdown, and they look at all of the different things that happened. That uh, that offside that happened. As much as I disagree that that would have been an offside last night or uh, last game, that stuff shouldn't have to be challenged by the coach. The league should be able to tell if it was or was not offside. Yeah. Well, as you probably know, and thanks for calling, Connor. We appreciate it. Um, the review tonight was in the final minute of the game and in overtime, the coach doesn't challenge. The league says we got to look at it. So in that case, the, the, the NHL war room said, well, we got to check this out. Something might be up. So then the referees go and they basically look at their own call. And as Drew said, what referee is going to overturn that, you know, against the home team after they've already made that call on the ice. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's at the point, and it's, you know, we see stuff in a lot of games around the league. Clearly, we're all more more emotional because we're in northern Alberta and it involves the Oilers. But there's been enough weird stuff with review where I think, yeah, is, is it worth having it? Is it worth having? I don't know. The three stars tonight, Perry, Getzlaff, and Raquel, those were picked in the arena in Anaheim, the fourth star for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and auto sale dates. I'm going to give it to the entire Oilers defense core. Andre Sekera went out early in the first period. Chris Russell played 32 and a half minutes. Adam Larson played 45 minutes. Oscar Clefbaum played 32 minutes. Matt Benning played almost 28. Darnell Nurse played just under 30. They had to suck it up. Four of the six Oilers defensemen at some point in the game left because of injury. Three of them came back. Secker was the only one that didn't. So they had to tough it out. I mean, this was a gutsy game by the Oilers, except, you know, the last three and a half minutes they give up three goals they were hanging in there you know they survived a rough first period they came back with three goals in the second and it looked like they were kind of gonna you know nurse it to the finish line but then they're able to do that they actually played pretty well in the first overtime period but eventually Corey perry gets the game winner Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. we have mike standing by hi mike 
Mike, Hello? are you there? Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, long-time listener, first-time caller. So, yeah, I just want to touch great effort by Talbot and the defensive core with uh, all the minutes they racked up tonight. Um, I'm going to stay away from the goalie interference. I'm going to look at it again tomorrow with, with a calmer calmer state, maybe. Um, stuff that you guys were touching on with Drew earlier, I remember watching a couple of games during the year that thought we were kind of getting hemmed in, had a couple goal shifts, and we st- we didn't call the overtime or didn't call the timeout then. We didn't do it now. Kind of thought that might have hurt us. Like, I don't think you're saving your timeout thinking you're going to need it in overtime when you when there's still two goals away. But I uh, thought that was maybe tough. Like, I expect a, uh, you know, I mean, expect a good effort in game six. Um, just a little bit on the timeout. And then also just a couple plays I see where we're starting to get picked is, like, I see Milan Lucic when he, he, he muscles the puck really well. When he gets close to the blue line, he's got no D coverage there. He's been a couple times, and I think in this series, and I think a few times with San Jose, he's either got picked or he's almost let a guy break free. Like, I like when he muscles the puck, but when he gets close to the D and he's got no coverage, he's, uh, you know, I mean, there's nobody else behind him, and it's just waiting to happen. So I'll uh, hang up and listen. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. Thanks for calling. I want to go back to Anaheim here and bring in uh, Milan Lucic. Here's the post-game comments for the Oilers winger. His blocker tonight, they wrap him, they wrap his arm around his leg, and he can't get up, and it's still a goal. So I, I have no idea anymore what goalie interference is. Someone please, someone knows, call me and tell me, because it's 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 a shame that where we are where we are right now with uh, with a call like that. You have no doubt in your mind. No you? doubt in my mind. Well, maybe just that last three minutes and how kind of frenetic it was. Can you just sort of take us through what you guys were trying to do to settle it down and kind of what happened there? They, got, they were able to get the puck in the zone and keep it in the zone and goes off the back. Guy trying to block it and in and Sifter gets through. And I mean, I just talked about the third one. So uh, we got to do a better job in situations like that and getting the puck out. Uh, but like I said, uh, we're, we're still in. We're, we're still in the series, going home. We got to find a way to win a game at home, and um, you know, uh, get, get and, and come out with our best game and give ourselves the best chance to win. All right, that's Milan Lucic. Obviously, uh, very emotional about the uh, goaltender interference situation there. At the end of the game, the Oilers lose 4-3 in double overtime to the Anaheim Ducks. First time the home team has uh, won a game in this series. Uh, we've got some text here to 636-30. Uh, one texter says, uh, Reed, you are getting embarrassing. Are you kidding? Be unbiased for one minute. Unbiased for one minute. Refs overturn their calls all the time. Well, they don't, they don't overturn them all the time. And uh, you know what? To that texture, well, you know what? I'm not going to say anything. I'm happy to have an opinion, and I know when I, it's just the nature of the job. When people don't agree with it, they're, they're not going to like me. But if I saw that in a, uh, if I saw that in another game, I would be, uh, <laughs> I would be pretty, pretty uh, flummoxed how that wasn't goalie interference. Uh, you can text 6:30, 6:30. Lesson Red Deer says, uh, don't forget about the 1982 Oilers who blew a five-goal lead against the Kings and lost in overtime, but they won the Cup two years later. Uh, one texter says, I can't believe how calm your callers are tonight. I am livid. The NHL is a joke. Why wouldn't they take the extra time to get the call? 
right? Do they just defend the refs on the ice at all costs? Jason says, Reed, I was watching Sportsnet, and John Shannon said the refs make the final call, not Toronto. Why does the ref that made the call try and convince himself that he made the wrong call? The ref that makes the call on the ice should have nothing to do with the review. Well, I agree with that. All right, 780-496. Oh, I got a text here from uh, Landon who says, maybe the NHL should let the fans hear the conversation between the refs and the Situation Room in Toronto in a five-second delay, but maybe we would have some clarity because this is a joke. That's a text from Landon. All right, 780-496-0063. We got Mark standing by on the line. Mark, thanks for calling. Hey. Hi. I, I uh, commented there the other night uh, on uh, the puck pursuit, and I, and I, I heard Drew Remenda talking about my comment there again there in the pregame, and it was totally true. I mean, the uh, Anaheim's puck pursuit is, I mean, it, it's still good. Ours tonight, I, I think, was a lot better. I think, uh, as Todd McCullen puts it, our board work and all that stuff was was really good i i thought i mean getting pucks out of, out of our zone kind of, kind of thing i mean that still that uh, that just that one bounce over letestu's stick and and it ended up on uh whoever whoever call whoever um uh shot the the puck there for the uh, third goal or well, it can't but right there letestu just missed it and um, yeah, so so I I I really I'm not I, I have a lot of friends who are just sick of wa- watching this, and they they are almost giving up. But I I personally think we 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 should just rally behind our team. You know, I mean they they got here, they're still young, and um, I, I'm almost ready to call out Oilers Nation and say say hey guys. The team charter is landing at the airport tomorrow at like one uh, thirty. We should all show up there and just be, you know, supported. Just wave wave the flags and say, "Hey, guys, you're still there. You're still in this." We, I mean, heck, we we can do this. We've proven it. So, all right, that's we appreciate. Yeah, we appreciate it, Mark. Well, I mean, that that that's all the team can do is is rally. I mean, they did, they didn't go away when they lost seven nothing to San Jose. I don't think they went away in this game. I mean, they lost. They lost in horrible fashion, but they didn't go away. I mean, they didn't concede the overtime. They, they were probably the better team in the first overtime. So now another test for this team. they got to try and win a home game finally like Anaheim did tonight. If you're on hold, stay there. We're getting everybody in. We're staying up as late as you want to talk. 780-496-0063. You'll hear from Cam Talbot as well. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio 630. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. Now, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Left circle to the goal line. Silverberg hesitates. Pressured by Benning up top for Getzloff. Silverberg left circle. Down low. Kessler short side stuff. Saved me by Talbot. Rebound of the blue paint and Talbot's got it. Cam Talbot's save of the game is for Armor Insurance. Complete a free quote for a $10 Tim card at armorinsurance.ca. Talbot 
very good tonight. He made 60 saves. That's a new Oilers record for most saves in a playoff game. Dwayne Rolison made 54 back in April of 2006. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. The Ducks stun the Oilers to win game two, uh, game five, four, three in double overtime. They lead the series three games to two. Thanks for staying up. It's 1.33. We have Colin on the open line. Colin, thank you very much for calling. Yeah, hi, guys. Uh, I, I don't know. This one, uh, you, you can only look at it two ways. On a call like that, considering what you see happening, either the fix is in and that's the call that's going to be made. No, like there, there, There's a conspiracy and it's going to be that way no matter what the video shows or they're incompetent. There's no other way to look at it. And I don't, I really, if you look at it, there's there's no other way to do this. Either they're up to something, or they just don't have a clue. Uh, I mean, I, I, how how else can you look at it? Yeah, I think and, and I think they're incompetent. And, and I mean, like I said, even even the Perry one last game. Once I saw the replay a few times, I was like, okay, it, it's it's goalie interference. Um, but again, I think you could go to somebody and say. Don't you want a player to drive the net like that and accept that sometimes there might be a little contact? Okay, maybe you could make that argument. I don't. Again, I don't understand how holding a guy's pad, even if he was pushed into the crease, I mean, he made no effort to get out of the crease. He stayed on top of Talbot, and then as he's staying on top of Talbot, he wrenches his hand inside the pad. So I don't, I don't know what else to tell you, Colin. I mean, not only not only that, the other the other thing that I'm looking at there as well is. I mean, you, you, like you said, a little contact. I, I always thought the I, when they changed around the way the the way the crease, the way the crease is, and the was the, the trapezoid, all of that stuff that they brought in was to protect the goalie from from intentional contact. Incidental, that's one thing. But you know, this is this is a completely different situation. And I, I I've never figured this one out. It's like oh, they put their whistle away during the playoffs. You can't do that. You've got to call it. If it if it is that, you can't say, well, it's five seconds left in, in this game and it's tied. We can't make the call. Well, maybe from the outset then you need to say, no, no, we're not going to make this call because it, it's too pivotal on the game to, to decide the game on something like this. Well, okay, let's make it that way. And, and also make it okay when someone's laying in the goalie's crease, the goalie can bring out his inner hex stall and iron him. Right. I, I, I got no problem with that in this case. Colin, thanks for... And some stitches should help. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. 780-496-0063. Oilers lose 4-3. That means a $75 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. It's 25 bucks from Booster Juice for every Oilers goal throughout the season. The Oilers season will be on the line tomorrow, 5 o'clock face-off here at Rogers Place, and I am in Rogers Place by tonight, by the way. I was here for the Orange Crush watch party, did uh, the face-off show, and now doing overtime open line from the Chet Broadcast booth, so that's been a cool experience. Anyway, they actually started setting up for whatever, I don't even know what concert it is, for uh, Thomas Rhett, I guess. Uh, they're already, they started setting up for the concert while overtime was going on, because I guess they, they had to get it going. 
Kyle says the egregious error on the goalie interference tonight reminds me of the Des Bryant non-catch in the 2014 NFL playoffs. It's embarrassing to have professional leagues not even understand their own rules. There better be a more in-depth response from the league due to how botched the call was and the optics following it. Kyle, well thought out text. I appreciate that. You can text 630-630-780-496-0063. We got Dean standing by. Hello, Dean. Sorry. Uh, okay. Uh, yesterday, I, I believe it was 1260 Sports saying that they had a poll saying who is the worst, which is the worst officiated league. Sorry, on wh- where was this poll? I believe on 12. I could have been you or 1260. I'm not exactly sure. Oh, it wasn't me. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. Yeah. Anyways, it says which is the worst officiated league? Is the NBA, CFL, NFL, whatever? Right. Okay. They forgot to mention pro wrestling. <laughs> I like where you're going. Okay. Now, Colin. Colin had an excellent uh, thing there. Either the fix is in, or they're incompetent. I believe the fix is in. Okay. Okay. Putting aside the disallowed goal or the the tying goal tonight, uh, Richie. He should have got a five-minute penalty plus a game misconduct. Okay, in the third period, the beginning of the third period, the the I can't I don't know who was holding Larson's stick, but he he was actually Larson had the thing had his arm out looking at the ref and no call. Drysaddle comes down, and he pulls the molecule off of uh, I can't the ducks I can't remember the he gets a penalty for holding right. Like what's going on here? Like you know, I'm I'm not only a huge Boiler fan. But I'm a huge hockey fan. But in a way, I hope Oilers lose on Sunday. That's it for me. I've uh, I've just about had it with the playoffs. It's, I've, I've been watching I've been watching hockey since 1964, and it's not getting any better. They here about 10 years ago they called it the new NHL. Oh, we're going to call a penalty. I don't care if it's the last second of the game, if it's or 10 minute of the game, if it's a 3-3 tie. And I said to my brother, I said, we'll see how long that takes. Right, it's back to the same old thing back in the sixties. But anyways, yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate you calling, Dean. Yeah, I know. I know it's frustrating. I mean, last year during the playoffs, which the Oilers obviously weren't weren't in, I, I was complaining about the offside challenge because I didn't like how it was the challenge and how many goals were being wiped out by an inch. The, the video review is an interesting debate. I think it should be used to determine whether or not the puck crosses the the goal line, and even that isn't always perfect, but I think that's the most important thing you can use it for. Other than that, at, at this point, I, I would be willing to scrap it because it doesn't really seem to help. 780-496-0063. Uh, frustrated fan texting in. He says, I'm tired of the negativity of 630 Chad. It also it almost wants me to... It almost makes me want to change teams. Well, thank you for that, frustrated fan. It's interesting you didn't accuse the station of any negativity when the Oilers won 47 games during the regular season. Uh, we have Karen on the line, 780-496-0063. Hi, Karen. Go ahead. Hi there. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm not doing great. <laughs> I'm going to, first of all, announce I'm a first-time caller, and I have been a listener to the Oilers broadcast show since 1978. So, though I'm a woman, <laughs> I know my Oilers, and I can honestly say that it has taken tonight for me to call in because I have never been so disappointed in the NHL um, so devastated overall as a season ticket holder to be officiating this year. And this is not something I have been commenting on because of the playoffs. I have noted it 
for probably the last season and a half. And I'm like, am I old? Because <laughs> I know I am. <laughs> but I'm like, I noticed such a big difference in the officiating here. And here we are. We don't have just two referees and the linesmen. We have four people on the ice and nobody can see anything. And we have all of these cameras and nobody can see anything. I'm beyond understanding how this happens. And I find it so disappointing, especially because this is the playoffs and because we are so appreciative of this team. We've stood behind them for 11 years while there hasn't been a whole lot going on. And I don't know if that just makes us uh, in a position where we can be taken advantage of because we're filling the seats. But this is overall just extremely devastating. The next thing I'd like to say is that um, I have positivity in the fact that I have become a Drew Remenda fan <laughs> for his comments. I have supported Cassians who I never thought I would ever appreciate and truly have appreciated during this season. But I hope things will change because they need to. Karen, excellent phone call. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Text to 630-630. Uh, this texter says, let's get real. The Oilers choked three goals in three minutes off to the next game. Well, they didn't finish the game well. There, there's no doubt about that. Uh, I, I mean, Drew talked about it. The Oilers stopped trying to make plays and, you know, were hesitant getting to the puck, were hesitant checking, and they tried to stay in a cocoon and not force the Ducks, and, and, and they didn't preserve the lead. There is, there is no doubt that that happened, and that was a deficiency in the Oilers' game in the last four minutes tonight. No doubt about it. Uh, I mean, they, that, that game should have been won. It shouldn't have come down to being 3-2 with 15 seconds left, so that call matters. A absolutely. Not going to deny that. Having said that, that there's there's no way you can talk about this game and, and not talk about the call that was made. All right, we're going to get to John on the phone line next. Whole bunch of people want to talk, but let's go back to Anaheim and here's Oilers goaltender Cam Talbot. Come out hard next game and, and battle out from there. Yeah, just take us through how you saw that uh, that time. I I think I don't know I. A couple guys in front just shot to the pads, rebound, tried to get everything they could in front of it, trying to get up. Didn't really have uh, my my one leg under me. Couldn't really get it off the ice, but um, I throw back towards the net, it goes in. Was your leg being held down? Do you, do you feel it was being held down like Kessler? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't bring it back underneath me. There's there's no way I could do that. So, um, And then I watched the replay, and he, like, he has a chance to, to get up, and it almost looks like he kind of even digs in over my pad and makes it look like he's just holding on. So, I mean, I I don't know. I, I haven't. That was the only thing I got to see was the Jumbotron replay. So uh, maybe they have another angle that I don't know. Do you have a chance to read the explanation at all in the NHL? No. no. Tim, this is back-to-back -back games where we're talking about an interference call on a, on a fairly important game. Just, is there a frustration level building with that, I would imagine? Yeah, but, I mean, at the same time, we had a 3-0 lead with three and a half minutes to go. I mean, we we uh, we had every opportunity to, to win that game, and... I mean, Leon makes a heck of a block and goes down. Second shot goes off his back to get a lucky bounce there, and, and it just started to unravel from there. And we did a good job battling back in, in overtime, got a few good chances, but couldn't come out on top tonight. What is the emotion right now? Obviously, it looks so good, as you mentioned, with three and a half minutes to go. Uh, you've been through these uh, on both sides of this, I'm sure, in your career. 
What do you say to yourself? What does the team say to yourself? I mean, right now it's just frustration, disappointment. But I mean, we, it's a race to to four, and they've only got three. So I mean, we got two more games to come out, and hopefully, we'll bring, be able to bring it back here on. On Wednesday and and uh, finish what we started here, but I want to say one more thing about our our back end tonight. How Gutsio a, a game those five played tonight, uh, getting banged up. I think we had four guys at one point in the first period, and and how well they played all night. So give them a lot of credit tonight. They battled hard. And the guys who got hurt, Cam, like the guys getting hurt, and the games they gave after they were already banged up. Yeah. Impressive. Yeah, extremely gutsy. By Clef, Benny, I mean, Lars played unbelievable minutes tonight. Um, Darnell stepped up again, and of course, Rusty was uh, same old self. So, anytime you lose a guy like Reggie in the first period who plays 24, 25 minutes a night, other guys got to pick it up, and those guys did an unbelievable job tonight. These calls around the net, the interference stuff, is that going to affect the way that you're playing goal, knowing that? They're going to be all over you, and it's, it's get into your head a bit. No, I mean, I, just, I played my game all night tonight, and, and I mean, didn't really affect me until until the end there. I mean, I'm just going to go out there and play my game and, and not have to worry about that. Thanks, Cam. All right, that's Cam Talbot uh, with, I think, some mature comments and staying focused. And, uh, I mean, he said it. you got to win four to win the series. The Ducks have three. The Oilers win two. The Oilers have two. They can't lose. So they'll try to win tomorrow when they face off at five here at Rogers Place. All right, we got a full board of calls. Everybody is getting on. I'm staying up as late as you guys want to talk, but we do have to do a quick commercial break here. Ducks win 4-3 in double overtime. They lead the series 3-2. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio 630. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in. Ducks win 4-3. They pulled off basically one of the most remarkable comebacks in the history of the NHL. Only team ever in the playoffs to force overtime when trailing by three goals in the last four minutes. They then won it 6:57 into the second overtime period on a goal by Corey Perry. The Oilers goal scorers tonight, a long time ago it seems, in the second period were Dreisaitl, McDavid, and Kajula. Ryan Getzlaff, good as always. He gets a goal and two assists, a goal and an assist. Perry had a goal and two assists. You can text 630-630 as well. We are getting some beauty text messages tonight. I wish I could just sit with some of you and, and uh, read them all, but I uh, can't uh, read them all. Uh, frustrated fan, go to bed. Okay, I'm reading all your texts. If you don't like me, like, I don't care, but don't waste my time texting in. All right, over and over again. 780-496-0063. We have John on the line. John, thanks a lot for calling. Hi. Uh, I wanted to comment on something that was most troubling to me, which was when Getzlav leaned over and told the linesman that there was six men on the ice for the Oilers, and immediately, without even checking the linesman, instantly shot his arm up and blew his whistle. These guys are so deathly afraid of missing a call and making the wrong call both at the same time that they're screwing both up. Well, it was it was too many men. I mean, it was close, but I, th- I thought it was too many men, John. I, I, don't, I don't know what, what you thought, but I, I thought it was too many men. I thought it was too, but I thought it was passable for the playoffs from the standard they had kind of set. Fair enough. Thanks for calling. Appreciate it. 780-496-0063. We also have Fred on the line. Fred, thanks a lot for calling. 
Reed, I'm going to be up in four hours, but I'm pretty wound up here tonight. I was back in 1997. The Oilers were down 3 nothing with just under six minutes to go, and I said it's never over till the fat lady sings. We all know what happened in Game 6. Went into Dallas Game 7. Todd Marchant scored on a breakaway. That was it for the Stars. But the refereeing is atrocious. Like the lady said, you got this high-tech, high-definition replay. You got two refs on the ice. Back in the day, you had Andy Van Helman. He would he must be laughing at watching this crappy refereeing. It's a joke. <laughs> it's a complete joke, Reed. Hey, come on. I've watched this game for so many years, and I was watching with a buddy tonight, and we've played a lot of hockey, watched a lot of hockey, and it's like, you got to be kidding me. A penalty shot on Lucic there? Really? They call that a penalty shot in the playoffs. So they got to do something in the off season. And who's in charge of all this crap? All right, Fred. Appreciate it. Hey, I'm here to listen tonight, guys. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Aaron says I should reiterate: Corey Perry has been the lone individual at the center of these screwed up goal calls, both goalie interference and the offside. Another texter says about. This is a good one. Hockey Canada should take Corey Perry's medals away if he's going to be such a punk. Well, I don't know if they can. I don't know if they can do that. But uh, yeah, this is great. This this is great. We got a playoff rivalry. It's more. It's it's still better than worrying about where you just got picked in the lottery. I think anyway. Even though I know it doesn't feel very fun uh, right now. Look, and I want to. I want to say something as well. And I realize my, my thoughts on this were, uh, my, my words on the, on the call in the final minute were a lot stronger than I usually am. Um, and I know a lot of people are saying, well, there were calls missed that benefited the Oilers. You're right. There, it was a pretty physical game. There were held sticks. There were high sticks. I mean, Maroon got tangled up with Perry on the uh, play that led to the Kajula goal. And you know what? I've seen that called interference. Quite frankly, Perry got called for interference on a similar play with McDavid earlier in the series. So, yes, stuff happened in the game, you know, that that helped the Oilers at times. Stuff happened that helped the Ducks. But there's a difference on a non-penalty call or, you know, some, or deciding whether penalties two or five than a play like that that directly leads to a goal where it appears there was a, a, a blatant violation that really nobody can really understand uh, as to why why the goal stood. So, yes, I, I understand the refs have a tough job and that they made, you know, maybe the Oilers got away with some stuff, maybe the Ducks got away with some stuff. It's it's different, though, than what happened in that situation. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. we have James on the line. Hello, James. James, the are not stupid. They're very smart. Refing, they knew that was goaltender interference. Refing is corrupt. That's all. Okay, thanks, Chiefs. We appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. The uh, adjustment of the game is for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better with help from your chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Well, I think for the adjustment of the game it's it's just simply seeing now how the Oilers handle yet another big punch they they you know they they took some jabs throughout the season they bounced back they they took a pretty big swing to the jaw when they lost 7 nothing to San Jose they bounced back 
They uh, lost 45 seconds into overtime on Wednesday. They bounced back and played a decent game for the most part tonight. They dealt with being down defensemen. Secret didn't play a lot. Now can they bounce back from, you know, blow, blowing a lead late? I mean, this wasn't that the Ducks had 50 minutes to come back and they eventually tied it. This was a, a late game collapse by the Oilers. 780-496-0063. We have Trevor on the line. Good morning, Trevor. Morning. How you doing? Well, you know, uh, personally, I'm fine. It's an interesting show tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I just wanted to say, uh, you know, a lot of people are complaining about referees, and understandably so. Like, um, like I personally believe that you can't really truly understand someone's position unless you've been in that position before. Like, I've, I've ref for a few years, so I sort of understand the frustration and how difficult the job is. But when something's that blatant, like over the past couple of games, it's... It's completely ridiculous. Like I don't know how long I've been asleep for, but I thought the uh, I thought the referee strike ended long ago when we sent the replacement refs home. Like you know, and it's actually I, I was watching on uh, I was walk, I was watching on Hockey Night in Canada, and after the third period, you had McLean, Rudy, and Kiprios. They were all saying, "Okay, that wasn't goaltender interference," and then Elliot Friedman. He pointed out that uh, that Kessler's hand was on Talbot's pad, and that instantly changed their whole their whole perspective on the situation. So, and just the fact that they only took a couple minutes to review a goal with 15 seconds to go on a game time goal in the playoffs, like like that's pretty obvious that the fix is in. I don't know if it's just California biased or unbiased against the Oilers. I don't know. Well, I, don't, I mean, I, I, I don't think that there's a, a fix or, you know, blatant bias. I don't, th- I, I, I don't think that would that would happen. I, I think it was just a, a horrible call. I, I mean, I, th- I just think they blew the call, and it, it well, happened to have well, it happened to the team that you're all cheering for. Well, I, 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 I agree with you to a certain extent, but when it happens two games in a row, then you start to like. I don't want to be counter conspiracy here, but. You sort that sort that thought sort of creeps into the back of your mind when it happens two games in a row. Well, fair enough. I think this one was a lot worse than the than the one last game, though. In 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 my mind, I, I mean, at least I can sort of see the league's point of view. Last game, I I, I can't in this one. Right, but I do appreciate you calling, though, Trevor. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We also have Jay on the line, who's going to finish the play in a second. Jay, you've already won an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set We Park. Park cheap and easy. Visit JetSetParking.com. What's on your mind first before we play the game? Oh, hey, Jay. Uh, great show. Uh, I think we're going to need a new coffee table after tonight. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, but other than that, uh, I, th- I got a couple points to make. I think all year, Edmonton's played this game, uh, kind of like a rope-a-dope kind of game. And I guess it would be kind of like where they, like you were saying, they would bend, but they wouldn't break. And I guess we have a game-breaker McDavid, and it seems like we've played the same kind of game. Uh, they've had the poise, uh, but it's, it's just—I guess some of the calls. It's just that the time of these calls are non-calls, or that—that's the only—that's the only trouble I've had trouble with. But other than that, this whole year, 
even leading up to the year, people said, well, <clears throat> one player is not going to change a franchise. And, wow, what a year. Um, but, uh, the naysayers, you know, a lot of people down east, oh, damn it, God, make David. Uh, but anyways, I'm proud of the Oilers. I was upset, but now I'm thinking, wow, what a future, you know. Um, other than that, uh, I think they've gotten better every game. All right, and Jay. Gonna, let's, gonna... let's finish the play, buddy, because i got a break for the 2 o'clock news as well. Uh, if you're right here, you can be entered into the grand prize draw for $1,000 to Integra Tire Auto Center. Visit Integra Tire to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire, experience integrity. Silverberg charges in. Back to Cogliano. Broken up by David DeArnay. And here come the Oilers. Two on one. Kajula right circle. A shot. All right, chance for uh, Kajula in overtime. This should be easy. Goal or no goal? No goal. Silverberg charges in. Back to Cogliano. Broken up by David DeArnay. And here come the Oilers. Two on one. Kajula right circle. A shot. Save made by Gibson. Rebound loose. Kessler doesn't know where it is. And almost kicked it into his own net. Then he recovered. All right, good job. Jay, you win, finish the play. Brandon, Kevin, and Scott, you're next in the batting order. Tough one for the Oilers. They lose 4-3 in double overtime. Ducks lead the series 3-2. This is Canadian Overtime Open Line. Brought you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 6.30 chat. All right, it's 2.05 in the morning. It's Saturday. The Oilers allow three goals in the last 3-16. They lose 4-3 in double overtime to the Anaheim Ducks. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for staying up. You'll hear from Captain Connor McDavid in a few minutes. You can text 630-630. You can call 780-496-0063. Getting a lot of texts. Appreciate that everybody who is uh, listening, even the uh, Flames fans in the audience who are clearly trying to troll Oilers Nation. That's okay. You have nothing better to do because you have no games to watch that your team is involved in. 780-496-0063. We have Brandon on the line. Hello, Brandon. Good morning, Reed. Uh, hope a uh, good sleep will make you feel better. Uh, you know, uh, with uh, you know, the Russian Olympics controversy and uh, NBA uh, referee controversy, I mean, we know corruption's out there, and uh, I'm sure it's... Uh, what we hear is only the tip of the iceberg. But allegations aside, uh, I'm just I'm just wondering. I mean, we all feel it's a travesty here from that bird's eye cam, which kind of was indisputable as far as we're concerned. But the NHL is watching as well, and I'm just wondering if there's an investigation or, or if that's something the Oilers organization has to pursue, or, or if there's I mean the the officials responsible are, are questioned at all. And, and I'm just wondering what kind of repercussions might uh, occur if we ever hear about it, or it's just something they sweep under the rug and, and hope we forget. No, we usually don't hear about it. I mean, the refs are always reviewed and evaluated, and uh, I, I mean, I guess just, uh, I mean, like the lines, the referees tonight were uh, Chris Rooney and Francois St. Laurent. Just watch if you see them on future game sheets. If they don't get to work any more games or, you know, don't go on to the third round, then that's because they haven't been deemed, you know, Good enough. Competent, competent, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, a few people are texting, well, what can the Oilers do? I mean, they can show the tape. They can complain about it. They can ask for 
They can ask for an explanation. They can show other examples of goalie interference throughout the year that might be similar. Though I, I don't know if I've ever seen that before with a goalie's pad getting you know pulled away from his body yeah. and his legs being open like that. Um, I, I mean, so that's that's all they can do. Now, if the officials don't, again, you just have to watch and see how many games these two particular officials work. That's 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 about all you can do. I mean, the the, the league the league does evaluate itself. I mean, the the, the officials are taken to task, and I, I I do believe that these are the best hockey referees in the world. I just think in that particular instant, for some reason, they didn't notice or chose not to acknowledge what was going on on that play. They they saw the same video we all saw. I mean, and they didn't have any other input from anybody else, so they made the decision solely on their own their own belief. So. And, and obviously they're not going to go back and change anything. I, I was just wondering if there was any kind of repercussion, and I suppose that's just it. It's it's up to the league to discipline as they feel necessary, and we just move forward. Yeah, thanks for calling. I appreciate it, Brandon. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Let's quickly head back to Anaheim. Here's the Oilers' captain, Connor McDavid. Don't have to say much about that. Um, definitely disappointing. I thought that, uh, you know, that's a mad scramble at the net. Obviously, you guys are going to end up at the net, but, um, you know, I felt that uh, Alps didn't really have a chance to make the save. Um, but ultimately, it's a tough call for the ref to make. He's ultimately deciding the game, and, um, you know, it's uh, tough for him to call. Can you, can you, listen, I know it's a tough loss. Can you put a bit in towards the emotion right now? You, you were ahead of the very good three minutes ago, and then it, yeah, I just answered that, and it's you know there's not much that can really be said right now. It sucks, um, yeah, but we'll be back here once then. Just talk about the battle that it was. I mean, you down five defensemen, playing shorthanded through a lot of that game, or just maybe a grind. It seems to be. Yeah, they battled hard. Uh, credit to the D, they they battled. Um, never never fun when you know, you're losing guys, uh, you know, kind of going like that. So. Um, you know, ultimately, uh, they battled out. All right, that's Connor McDavid. Ducks win at 4-3 in double overtime. McDavid had a goal and an assist tonight, his first multi-point game of the postseason. 780-496-0063. Is it Kevin up next, uh, Kellen? Uh, hey, oh. Reed, good morning. Good yeah, morning. This, Ke- this Kevin calling from Calgary, huge Oilers fan. I just wanted to mention a couple things, just get off my mind so you know we can all go to sleep but as far as uh, a rallying point and how they came back and played the overtime I think that might just lay a fire inside them to come back and win the next two games and I don't know what your take is on this I was hoping in the post game interviews that McClellan would have come out and basically said you know this is garbage and made a couple other comments in regards to the the blown call and the holding the the pad with the hand. You know, who, who cares if the Oilers would have got fined? It would have been well worth it to change the, the overhaul in the system. Well, will it overhaul the system though? That's that's well, my well, only well, question. Okay, okay, uh, okay. Maybe it won't overhaul the system, but it, it'll get the league possibly going into a different direction. Like, uh, you know, we all heard Lucia's comments post game. I saw it on TV, and for a second there with how emotional he got, I thought he was going to have a tear come out because uh, how upset he looked. Kellen, I'm just going to ask Kellen something here. Kellen, we took Todd McClellan live. Did we miss something at the beginning? 
okay, we'll we'll get we'll get the beginning part because maybe he might have said more about it at the beginning. But yeah, I mean, somebody asked me that on Inside Sports on Thursday, I guess it was. I mean, should should Todd McClellan lose his mind during the game or after a game? I, I don't know if that necessarily helps. You, you don't see a lot of coaches doing that anymore. So I, I I don't know. It's it's it was a bad call. I mean, it was it was just it was just a bad call. And I, and I don't know if the NHL thinks. I mean, th- at at the moment, I don't think they're making any changes to video review for next year. So they must think it's working fine. And and what, when you had Drew on earlier, uh, I totally agree. Also on that uh, penalty shot on that play from Lucic, that, that was no penalty shot. It's just, uh, it's frustrating as a fan, and like, you know, being a Warriors fan, but, like, you know, other callers have said, like, I'm a true hockey fan. And when you see, see stuff like that, it's just, uh, it's just frustrating. And, you know, I, I, I guess I'll hang up and listen to the show because I know there's lots of other people that want to talk. So I appreciate you taking your time to take my call. Yeah, well, absolutely. That's why we're here. It's uh, 2.12 in the morning. We'll keep going as long as people are phoning. I don't know. Like I'm trying. When something like this happens, I try to put myself in the the point of view of the people making that call. Um, I mean, Andy says uh, nobody on the Sportsnet panel except Elliot Friedman saw the interference. They all said no interference until he pointed that out. Disappointing. Andy also says I said shutout with five minutes left, so it's probably my fault. Don't blame yourself, Andy. I mean, I texted with Kelly Rudy, who comes on Inside Sports once a week, and he and he said, uh, "What was his exact reply?" Well, he just said agreed that you can't, you shouldn't be able to do that to a guy. I guess the only thing I can think of is that that was such an unusual thing that Kessler did. They 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 weren't looking for it because. You know, he was pushed into the crease, and then he's trying to... Well, he wasn't really trying that hard to get up, but Nurse is there as well. Talbot's there. So I guess you could look at that and say, well, where's Kessler supposed to go? So they probably weren't expecting to have to look for a hand, you know, pulling the goalie's pad and and opening the five hole. And I'm not saying that's right by any means, but that's the only thing I can think of that even remotely makes sense. All right, we've got to take a quick timeout. Jason, Basil, Christine, all up next. This Overtime is Overtime Open, Open, Open Line. Radio 630 Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in this morning. 217, the final. Anaheim 4, Oilers 3 in double overtime. Corey Perry, Got the game-winning goal. Scoreless first period. The Oilers were outplayed. Cam Talbot was excellent. Edmonton much better in the second period. They got a dry sidle goal early. McDavid on a two-man advantage. Kajula on a three-on-one. And it looked like they were going to take it to the finish line. But then Getzlaff with 316 left. Fowler with 241 left. Raquel with 15 seconds left. Then no scoring until 657 of the second OT when Perry put it away. The Oilers will fly back in the morning. And they play 5 o'clock Sunday afternoon here at Rogers Place. And I'm at Rogers Place uh, seeing how they set up for a concert. The ice is totally covered. They've got uh, seats pushed back. Thomas Rett playing the building, I guess, coming up tonight, Saturday. 780-496-0063. We have Jason on the line. Hello, Jason. Hey, Reed. Uh, first-time caller. I just wanted to uh, say I love your show. Thank you. Um, 
you know, appreciate uh, staying up and uh, letting all of us fans uh, venture to 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, and this kind of goes back, you know, if you look at the beginning of the season, um, you know, how much focus there's been on McDavid and, you know, the, you know, the, the slashing, the hooking, the holding, um, you know, and, and, and then you look at the San Jose, you know, Pavelski, you know, you kind of grab and clutch and grab wasn't bad, but I mean, you know, the, the amount of whacking and slashing and hooking and holding, and I mean, you know, you watch it on TV and I mean, you see it, but you also hear it. And, you know, the rest just keep letting it go, letting it go, letting it go, you know. And, I mean, you know, the, the goaltender interference, you know, like I sent in the text there earlier about, uh, about John Shannon saying that the ref actually makes the call. But I'm kind of curious to if, if you know why, who are they talking to in Toronto? Like, what, what are they relaying back and forth? Yeah, well, they they, uh, they discuss it with, uh, I mean, Drew went over some of the people who are in the war room, like Chris King. He thinks Patrick Burke is there. So there's usually, I think there's five people who are in the war room, and as, but as Drew said, none of them are former NHL referees. Right. And, the, and the refs themselves get the final call watching on the iPad. Right, and, you know, uh, you know my wife and I, we were at the game, uh, last game in Edmonton, and, you know, you, you, watch, you watch these plays, and, I mean, they're, they're, they're looking on an iPad, you know. And yeah, it's, I, that, that's, to- you're totally right, yeah. You, you know, I mean, how, how clear, you know, are, are these? You know, are they able to zoom right in? You know, like in the past, did, did Toronto not, you know, when they used to do reviews, did Toronto not make the calls? In, in Toronto, like they had all sorts of different views of the game. Yeah, they've changed stuff over the years for sure. There's, there's, uh, yeah, there's been a few different incarnations of this, but yeah, I, I, there, I mean, there, there are many things. Regardless of this call, Jason, we could stay up all night just doing oh, a show sure. generally on video review. I for don't sure. like the offside review because. I, I don't either. I, 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 mean, I mean, that's a, if a guy lifts his skate an inch off the ice, exactly. th- there's no human being that could call that. So why yeah. slow it down? Yeah, exactly. And then exactly. the other thing is, I mean, somebody said to me once, and this was a great point, and this is somebody who's very passionate about the NHL, said to me, Las Vegas, or whatever they're called, the Vegas Golden Knights, just paid half a billion dollars to play in the NHL. Can't we have a 40-inch screen in each penalty box? You know, yeah. Per, yeah. you know, put it behind plexiglass or raise and lower it out from behind a bench. Something, yeah. you know, like the yeah. NCAA does that. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And 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 to my to my text earlier in the evening, the the ref making that call on the ice saying it's a goal. And and I mean the game is super fast. I mean there's I mean it, things happen faster than most of us even can watch even on TV. And you got to watch even replays and rewind and but. That ref should not be making the decision on whether he was right or he was wrong. He shouldn't even be in there, even looking at that iPad. It should be the other ref, and that way there, there's no bias, right? It's not because it's. Uh, how do you say to yourself, and you know what, geez, I, I might have made the wrong call, but I already made it on the ice, so I'm just going to stick with that call. Well, that you know that that's a good point. I mean, I think that's that's human nature, and referees still sure. are are human, just like I got to remind people that. Players are still human, even if they even if they make millions of dollars a year. Jason, yep. good call, appreciate it. I got to move on to other people here and get to some texts. Um, Yakushev texting and he says, "Hey Reed, why are you still on the air? I'm missing the Alien Show." Well, <laughs> people are talking about conspiracies tonight, so I guess maybe that counts a little bit. We have uh, is it is it Basil or Basil? I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing your name wrong. Hi, I'm Basil. Okay, go ahead. What's on your mind? 
first off, I think you made a mistake saying that you're going to stay on the air until the other fans stop calling in. You might be here till, uh tomorrow. That's fine. <laughs> Okay, but uh, other than that, uh, the other uh, frustrated fan that wants you off, nah, you're doing great, man. Keep it up. It's good to see your passion. Uh, you know, I know you hold back a lot, so keep it up. And uh, as far as the hours go, I, I know you don't have a lot of time to read the text, but, uh, you know, they're doing good. I mean, uh, they're, they're battling the Ducks. They're battling the refs. All right, we appreciate you calling. Well, everything else aside, it's a pretty simple situation for the Oilers. If you forget about everything else that has happened this season, win a home game to extend your season by game and then give yourself a chance in game seven, right? Where you've And then you go back to Anaheim where you've won two or three in the, in the series and you were three, well, I mean, you were 15 seconds away from winning tonight, even regardless of the other two goals. But, yeah, this is a tough one. Uh, 780-496-0063 is the phone number. We have Christine hanging on the line. Christine, thanks for staying up and calling. Thank you, Reed. Thanks for taking my phone call. What's on your mind? Well, I think I'm pretty much on board with everybody else when in regards to the officiating tonight between the, you know, offside call and the, the poke check on Perry twice on Talbot that didn't get called and then the too many men on the ice and obviously for sure that the Cassian call um I mean I, I don't coach junior hockey but I coach junior ball basketball and it's frustrating as a coach when you have officiants who obviously are caught up in the playoffs and tend to get behind their pride and can't admit when they've maybe made a wrong call and I think sometimes the, the pride of the officiants gets the best of them and they can't admit when they're wrong and and it needs to it needs to be somebody above and beyond them who's actually going to review the, the call and and make and make the right one you know, somebody just texted in, Christine, they have a third ref at all playoff games. Why can't he do the re video review and make that call? That's an interesting suggestion. They do have a backup ref at all playoff games. But again, is he going to step in and overturn his colleagues, you know, without consulting them or hearing what they think, and then he's going to be influenced by that, right? Well, and I, I think ultimately as a coach, that's, that's the frustrating call because we as coaches – you know, especially in, uh, you know, the junior basketball leagues, we get technical. If we question, if we question a call too much and, and we get too influenced by their calls, we're, we could be, you know, removed from the game. But there, there's no real ramifications for these refs when they, when they make a poor call. Appreciate it, Christine. Thank you. 780-496-0063. On the Advantage Trailer Rental scoreboard tonight, we did have another game. I guess it was now last night. The St. Louis Blues stayed alive by beating the Predators 2-1. The Eastern Conference Series will resume later today. Ottawa and the Rangers and Washington up against Pittsburgh. Okay, 
We got people on hold. I am getting everybody in, but we got to catch up on some breaks here and do a quick news and when uh, weather updates. So we're going to call a quick timeout. You'll hear from Carrie in the newsroom. Then I'll be back. Oilers lose four three in double overtime. It's Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line on Oilers Radio. This is overtime open line brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. Now Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio six thirty chat. All right, it's 2.32 in the morning. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 6.30. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. I should mention, you probably noticed, Rob Brown is not here. He missed Game 4. He missed tonight's game. He will return for Game 6 on Sunday. Will that be the final game of the Oilers' season? It will be if they lose. They got a win to force Game 7 in Anaheim on Wednesday. 4-3, Ducks take this one in double overtime. 780-496-0063. Kellen, because people were asking, let's get the uh, Todd McClellan comments that we just came on a little too late to take live. Here's uh, the other stuff that he said. Your thoughts on the uh, ruling on the Kessler play in a crease? Well, the game, I thought it was a hell of a game on our behalf. Um, they're a very good hockey club, and we battled with them. Uh, we get to that last three and a half minutes, and I, it feels like we're in control. And then uh, it, the goals they got, we can be upset that they scored. We can't be mad at people because they were effort goals. Leon blocks a shot with a bare hand. Puck dribbles right back to that spot. He goes off his back and in. Nothing you can do about it. We, uh, we have a stick stripped out of our hands on the second one, and we're handing off to the D-man like you always do, and they find that hole at that point. And then the last one um, bounces over Testick. We're 15 seconds away from from taking the lead. Um, so we're disappointed, but we're, we can't get mad at anybody. They were all effort um, opportunities, and uh, that's a good sign for us. Bad sign, we gave it up. Good sign, it was effort, effort-based, and it wasn't uh, delinquent. Uh, Interference, you're asking the wrong guy. I don't know what interference is anymore. So um, obviously Kessler was pushed in. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, but we have a strong belief that he had wrapped his arm around Talbs' uh, leg. But I don't know what it is anymore, so you have to ask somebody else. Todd, did you get any sort of explanation from the officials as to why they made the decision? No, they don't, uh, they don't give exp- explanations um, anymore. They drop the puck and go. All right, so there it is. Uh, Todd McClellan basically saying the same thing Milan Lucic said, that they don't know what interference is anymore. Lucic was uh, a little more, uh, I guess he was a little louder about it. So there's your answer as to what Todd McClellan said. And he, he, he did, you know, he described what happened on the three goals against. He, he thought his team was still still trying. He said that the goals didn't go in because the Oilers were being delinquent, but they went in nonetheless. It uh, never happened before. It's too bad it happened to the Oilers, though. Never before in the history of the NHL had a team come back from three goals down in the final four minutes of regulation time to force overtime. And then, of course, the Ducks won it in double overtime. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Doug standing by. Hello, Doug. Good morning. Thanks for calling. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm ready to hear what you want to say. Okay, so you know how everybody's kind of complaining about the refing. I guess I'm aware. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. But it may seem a little irrelevant, but, you know, when I played minor hockey, we, we faced a lot of adversity and missed calls and calls that should have never been and, and stuff like that. But you know how we overcame it? How's that? We were the better team. 
and that's what it really comes down to is we're not being you know we're not the better team right now they you know they 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 back off they don't take the body you know then yeah you get calls that are retarded and you know my, my minor hockey's long gone but even when i was playing minor hockey you know we would play against the refs like we have been this whole series and the series before but you know we overcame it because we were the better team and it comes down to how much do they want it do they want it you know all we played for was a you know a plastic gold medal and that to us that was the greatest thing in the world and how much do you want the Stanley Cup how much do you you know well, look, you know. yeah, look, there's there's no doubt that, that the Oilers, and I appreciate you calling, there, there's no doubt that the Oilers, it shouldn't have been 3-2 in a perfect world. I mean, Drew talked about it off the top of the show. Drew Remenda joined me. For the people that missed that, that was a couple hours ago already. Um, the Oilers got a little, they sagged a little too much in the last five minutes. They, they they weren't checking as well. They weren't making as many plays. And in this case, when we're talking about making a play, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, defensive plays, going and getting the puck, forcing the guy, making the check. You know, usually when you talk about making a play, you talk about making an offensive play. And this, they, they stopped, you know, trying to make plays defensively. They sagged a little too much. They thought we're going to rely on our goaltender. Uh, you know, they let the, the Ducks work the puck around the outside. The first couple of goals come from the outside for sure. A- abs- absolutely. So, you know, it would have been great if this was a, a quiet 3 nothing victory over the last few minutes. A- absolutely. There's there's no doubt about that. 780-496-0063. We have Tony on the line. Hello, Tony. Tony, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, go ahead, buddy. How are you doing tonight? Doing all right. Go ahead. So I have a few things here. First of all, you know when it came when it comes when it comes down to it, you know this isn't this is the third time. This is the third game in a row we have been on the bad side of a call. First one, Tony. Are you there, Kellen? I can't hear Tony. Did we lose him? Hello. Okay, try again, buddy. Uh, okay, can you hear me now? Yeah, you see, I heard you say that's the third game in a row that we were on the bad side of a call. Yeah, this game, it's goaltender interference. The last game, it's goaltender interference. And the other game, I can't remember exactly what it was. It's too late in the night to remember. But our biggest thing is, you know what this kind of reminds me of? And I know, I know I'm not old enough to know, and I, to know this, but this is kind of reminding me of the Canada versus Russia series back in whatever year that was. 1972? It, yeah, you're definitely I not old enough to remember that, Tony. Yeah, exactly. But you're, I'm just you're losing me here, buddy. Get, yeah, but get I'm to just, your point. I'm just, I'm, just <laughs> I'm basically saying that you know, can't that Edmonton is the underdog. Yeah, we're on the underdog. But you know what? That doesn't mean anything. It just matters the fact that we are getting really cheap out of games when the refs aren't looking at these correctly. Every single game I've watched, I love watching intense hockey, but when it comes down to it, I want to watch a good game where a cheating team, where both teams are trying their hardest. Not when one team basically has the referees on their side every time that something goes wrong. So I don't know what else to do. Like I'm going to be watching game six, but I'm hoping the refereeing is better because I don't want the Oilers season to end 
on a bad call by the rest saying, oh, it's a goal, but yet somebody's hands in the goaltender's pads. Appreciate it, Tony. Thanks for calling. Appreciate you staying up. It's 239-43. The Ducks win in double overtime. We'll bring Michael onto the show. Michael, good to hear from you. Hello. Uh, do you think they should go under review and they should listen to the fans? Because I've been here on Sportsnet and CBC. Uh, no, I still think it's better to have uh, officials making the call than to have uh, fans doing it, for sure. Uh, 780-496-0063. We have Dustin on the line. Dustin, good to hear from you. Well, we don't have Dustin. Do we still have Jerry? Yeah, hi, hi, yeah. Hi, Reed. Hi, Jerry. Calling from Lethbridge. Oh, good to hear from you. Yeah, listen, I just, I was just going to say something you might be interested in hearing. Uh, big Oiler fan down here, but I listen sometimes uh, to the Fan 960 on the morning show with Boomer, and Rhett Warner comes on. Oh, yeah. And they dedicated a whole segment uh, to the ref that series uh, with the Anaheim Ducks. Really, really, really upset with the refereeing. And Rhett Warner felt that there is something going on. Uh, this is the way they feel in Calgary. I'm just relaying the message. I'm not saying it's accurate or not. But Rhett Warner, they were so upset. They said he'd like to grab the referee by the scruff of the neck, put him in a room the next day, <laughs> and look at the film and say, what is it you don't get? But what the, the problem they had in Calgary, of course, they, they were about 65% phoned in and said they could not cheer for the orders. But then they're caught because they hate the they hate the ducks and they especially hate Kessler. Right. Like, but what Rhett Warner was saying is in that series with Calgary, and I think it might have been even after one game when Luchik got got uh, hit and then responded like with a little tap, and Rhett Warner was saying that they don't call the slash. They didn't call the slashing and all the dirty play that was going on, but they would call a mild retaliation afterwards. Incredibly frustrating for the Calgary fans. So I just thought let you know that they kind of feel the same in Calgary and that they really feel, Rhett Warner and Boomer and those guys, really feel there is something going on here because uh, they felt in their series, Anaheim got all the calls and, and uh, Calgary didn't. All the slashing was not called against Calgary or, or yeah, yeah, against uh, Anaheim, sorry. And so it's just, uh, it's just, I just thought I'd relay that to you because it's kind of interesting that they feel the same way in Calgary about the, of course, they hate the Ducks there, but, but All right. I, just, I just thought I'd tell you that. No, I appreciate that, Jerry. Pre- that's uh, that's uh, good to know. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Ducks beat the Oilers 4-3 in double overtime. They lead the series 3-2. Quick timeout, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. Now, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, thanks for staying up. It's 2.53 Saturday morning. I hope uh, you have a great weekend planned, despite it starting on a sour note with the Oilers blowing a lead and losing 4-3 to the Ducks. I I hate to send you to bed on this note, but here's Ducks head coach Randy Carlisle. Well, I don't know if there's a recipe. I don't know if there's a something you can, you can hang your hat on uh, other than you cannot... Quit believing. 
when you're on in any situation. Momentum swings in the playoffs are so drastic and they mean so much that when you get when you're able to get one, you start to believe and it sends a different message to the opposition. You get two and then it really sends, well, we can get this done. And then the intensity level from your perspective goes up dramatically. And, you know, we just found a way and willed it across the line in the end. So it's a great uh, achievement for our players and we should feel good about ourselves. But the next one will be the most important one. It will be the toughest one in their building. Randy, as you're standing on the bench there for the goaltender interference challenge in the last minute, what you're watching on the monitor, what are you? What's going through your head? To me, it was more uh, about how our player got there. How did he get to the ice surface, and how did he get tangled up with their goaltender at all? And I clearly saw that when once he was pushed into that area, and then it's a whole different scenario. And it's it's one of those where, you know, that you know you're you're holding your breath that hopefully they see it the same way, but you know we, as we know sometimes things don't go your way, but tonight they went our way. Did did you have a confident feeling either way? I mean, the response from the Oilers is that they really don't know what goaltender interference is anymore. Uh, I, I've said enough about what they think and what they do. I'll just leave it up to the other people that are in charge of making the decisions. We live by their decisions, and we cannot change or influence their decisions. Those people that are making those calls make it on a consistent basis, and they don't tell me, as I stated earlier, how to coach or who I'm supposed to put on the ice, so I'm not going to tell them how to do their job. All right, that's Randy Carlisle, coach of the Ducks, and he did say there, that it was how Kessler got into the crease that in his mind was the determining factor. And that is what the league said. Nurse pushed Kessler uh, in there, and that's why he was tangled up with Talbot. Uh, That's not how I see it. I'm sure most of you don't see it that way because he had time to take his glove out of Talbot's pad instead of wrenching Talbot's uh, legs open, so the puck went in the five-hole. Having said that, the Oilers did not close out the game well on a night where they played pretty gutsy for most of the evening. They uh, physically engaged. They were short defensemen at various times, including without Andre Sekera for most of the night. No update on him. We'll see what the Oilers say in the morning before they fly back to Edmonton. And a big one, the biggest one of the year. Again, they've all been like that lately, haven't they? Game 6, Sunday at 5 at Rogers Place. Our coverage will start with the face-off show at 3 o'clock Sunday afternoon. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy for sticking through the entire broadcast tonight. He's been our studio producer back at 6.30 Chet. You can get more on the Oilers page on 6.30Chet.com. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. The Ducks lead the series 3-2. They beat the Oilers 4-3 in double overtime. Never before had a team come back from three goals down in the final four minutes of regulation to force overtime. Cam Talbot sets an Oilers playoff record with 60 saves. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's 2.57. Thank you so much for listening, calling, and texting.